The Oil Can Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Euler ticket prices tend to drop right before GameTime starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get to the game. One of the best parts is that you can actually go in and, in the app, have a pass panoramic seat view. If you like to see a different spot from uh, Rogers, you can do that. You can choose your, your seat and then have a look at what it looks like from that seat. It's brilliant. Head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. with Daniel Nugent Bowman. Over the next 30 minutes, we're going to talk a little bit about this Edmonton Oilers team, and there's lots to talk about. Uh, Daniel, this has been kind of a seesaw week after a lot of winning early. Uh, we've seen some ups and downs here over the last few days. Yeah, no doubt. They're, they're kind of uh, heading into this mushy middle, win one, lose one, you know, it, it, kind of back and forth here. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of fare as they head on the uh, out on the road for, th- for three games in the Eastern time zone. Uh, and uh, try to get back kind of to where they were, obviously, at the start of the year. There have been a lot of injuries that have, that have uh, happened to this team. One of the, one of the ones that we may see uh, end here on this road trip, it's possible anyway, as Joel Pearson uh, it gets closer and closer. I'm intrigued in seeing how they handle that. Uh, Brandon Manning has played well as the uh, third-pair left side uh, defender with Matt Benning. I assume that Joel Person will move back into the into the uh, spot with Oscar Kleffbaum, but there's been a little bit of wobble here with Nurse and Ethan Bear. Uh, Bear at least was a dash three, I think, in in the Sunday game, um, and, and I and I do wonder here if if while he's at it, the the coach might shuffle Pearson into the lineup and and possibly move him around a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? I think he would probably start. Um... Pearson back with Kleppbaum and go back to that what they were doing uh, before the injury. So obviously that being uh, leaving um, Ethan Bear with Darnell Nurse, Kleppbaum and, and Pearson, and then going back to having Chris Russell be on the left side of the third pair with Matt Benning uh, and having Brandon Manning uh, kind of taking his spot back in, in the press box. That's kind of what you, uh, when I say you, the universal you, uh, had had uh, with, with Manning uh, initially in the year. It was just to have him kind of be a placeholder and and you know have that veteran presence in the press box rather than have you know um, a younger player uh, sit out and, and kind of not play. Um, yeah, I think that will be the, the 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 way that they'll go back to. But there, you're right. I mean, Ethan Bear has played pretty well for you know for you know 22 year old rookie, um, somebody that was by no means a lock to make this team, uh, and now is essentially on the top pair and playing against very you know tough competition. So he's playing a little, I would say, over his head, and and, and you know deserves credit for doing so. Um, but the right side of that defense is is a bit of a of a mess uh, in, in terms of uh, having veteran guys around with with Adam Larson out. And so um, you know it's basically Benning, Pearson, 
uh, and 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 Bear. So I think they they kind of do need to rely on Bear uh, because. Pearson, I don't think, is uh, is ready to take on those minutes. And Matt Benning um, has certainly showed uh, he's more competent and, and reliable kind of in the bottom pair. Um, so that puts Bear a little over his head. I know uh, our colleague Jonathan Willis talked about uh, potential for... Um, you know, a trade or, or what that would, would mean to the Oilers uh, to bring in more of a veteran guy, uh, preferably on the right side. Uh, I don't think that's that's obviously imminent, but it, it's, it's, it, John raises a good point uh, in that the Oilers are obviously a little bit weaker on that side and Bear has been kind of thrown into the deep end a little bit, uh, has mostly fared pretty well, but you're starting to see some, uh, some, some struggles uh, as he gets, uh, you know, more and more... Uh, you know, pushed in, in into that deep end. So, uh, you know, what what do you think, Al? What what what, uh, what have you seen for Bear? What what do you like about uh, that right side, or or not like about that right side? Well, I think Bear is at a point now where, <clears throat> excuse me, where where I think he's, you know, he's struggling a little bit, and if that continues, you're going to have to back him off. Uh, we're we're a fair distance from Adam Larson returning, and that's you know what you kind of hope for. I didn't get a chance to read John's article before before uh, we we came to the podcast but I I will say that that for me the hesitation is the the Larson dollars uh, it, depending upon who you could bring obviously you're, you're sending out some dollars to get them but I'm I'm very interested in for me anyway to seeing how Pearson plays I'd like to give him uh, a, a, like a good 20 game shot here and I agree with you I think Clefbaum is the best partner and maybe they have more offensive zone starts and on the fly starts with the puck heading north with that pairing, uh, Kleppbaum and Pearson. I was also interested in, in maybe seeing him a little bit more on the power play. Uh, that was something that we had talked about or had seen a little bit in preseason. Obviously the injuries uh, impacted that, but as far as the, the number one concern that I would have is with Ethan Bear, and this is the problem, and I, I, I know that I in every podcast, bring up Matt Benning, who I really like as a defenseman, but he's in that really, really tough spot where if if you do back Bear off, probably it would be to the third pairing, uh, and that'll eventually probably be where Evan Bouchard makes his NHL debut on that third pair. So we'll see. I, I think there are ways on the road for for uh, Coach Tippett to maybe use all three pairings if you if you line up the the Clefbaum Pearson pair with with the the McDavid line and give them offensive zone starts. You're asking a lot of Nurse and Bear uh, in the defensive side, but you're also giving Bear uh, an opportunity to show what he does well, which is those terrific outlet passes, probably to the Nuge line and the other lines. So it makes sense from the point of view of its work before. My concern though is with Ethan Bear and and young defensemen who start to lose confidence often need a trip to the third pair or or maybe even down. We'll see. I I thought that he was pretty solid although the the third goal where he sent the puck directly to uh, an opponent last night uh, and it was a, I mean it was a flurry. I'm sure it was a blur for all of those defensemen. They gave up three goals very quickly, but it was uh, it was the kind of thing you see from a defenseman that may uh, start contributing to his lack of confidence and if that's the case they're going to have to do something there probably before Adam Larson gets uh, returns I don't know if it's a trade though what about you are you are you thinking about tr- maybe a, a specific trade or well I'll just I'll just play devil's advocate in the sense with Bear is like that was uh, I wouldn't say the first time he, he showed you know uh, you know a not very good game but but it was the most glaring 
and he's been pretty great i would say the, the you know the most part uh, throughout the year again we've talked a lot on this podcast about um how the Oilers have played a, a pretty light schedule to date, and and I think as we get uh, going into into November and the schedule picks up, you know they have a game against Arizona, St. Louis, uh, Colorado. You know, surely uh, San Jose will recover a little bit here. There's some some high quality forwards there. That's where you're really going to see what Ethan Bear is is made of. Um, so I'm not, you know, go, willing to write him off or 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 um, you know think that one bad game means that the slide is coming here. But there is no question that um, he does need a little bit of of um, of you know it would be behoove the the team and behoove him to not have him in those those. Uh, you know, that type of responsibility in that role. But I just don't really see where the internally or how the roster is constructed right now, um, how you prevent that from happening. So uh, when you look at trades, I mean, um, Jonathan Willis was uh, quick to um, point out to Mark Pissick as a name, uh, obviously somebody that was uh, just here yesterday with the Florida Panthers and um, him not getting a lot of, uh, you know, ice time and responsibility up until really yesterday was a, a different different story. Um, that could be somebody that they look at. But, you know, I Ken, every time I've talked to Ken Holland, he's been pretty steadfast in not wanting to, um, you know, overcorrect uh, for, for a short-term fix. I know Adam Larson is probably another month away, uh, at least three weeks, but probably a little bit longer away from uh, getting back in the lineup. But you know, this isn't a contending team, and this is something I've I've, I've talked about. Is um, there, I don't think you want it really. Um, you know, it'd be a lot different story if the the Oilers were a cup contender, and, and you could see their season kind of going down the toilet or something like that. Um, but I don't think they're in this in the position where you want to um, give away assets for. Um, you know, a quick fix. And this is exactly what, what happened last year where, where uh, Clefbaum and Russell went down and then uh, Peter Shirelli started making moves to bring in Alex P- uh, Petrovich and, uh, and Brandon Manning. And we, we kind of know what, what happened in that regard. So, uh, you know, maybe it's a, a case of bringing up a guy like Caleb Jones at some point, or you know, maybe even Bouchard again, he, he'd be th- uh, thrust, I would think into that bottom pairing role. Um, but I, but it's, uh, to me, it's, it's a case where, um, you know, they, they should probably try their best to get through this by their time and wait for some guys to get back healthy. Well, I think the record is that that really helps this organization. I agree with you. I think, um, I was talking earlier today about the, the, when Peter Shirelli came, uh, he came in April of 2015, four years, almost of the day, uh, before Ken Holland arrived. And he was very aggressive in trading draft picks uh, for Cam Talbot, for Eric Griba, for Griffin Reinhardt. Uh, they signed uh, Sekera that summer. They were they were extremely aggressive, spending a lot of money with a lot of term and a lot of no movement. And I don't think fans have an appetite for that. And yet I, I sense in talking to fans, there's a restlessness about, okay, this 8-3-1 record is going to be 8-8-1 eight, eight soon, and, and the Oilers will have done nothing about it. But I think that's sort of what, you know, Ken Holland has paid the big bucks to do is that, that, you know, right now I look at this roster and the top line at five on five is outscoring opposition pretty well, 14 to seven at five on five goals for and against the second line is at plus two. The, the bottom six are both terrible. I think they're minus 13 over 12 games together as a group. So from the point of view of, of where Ken Holland is going to address, 
I still think it's going to be third line center as opposed to defense. As as much as we want to talk about Bear uh, uh, playing in a, a very vulnerable spot if he were to lose confidence, as much as uh, Pesic or another player might be attracted to the Oilers, I think he's still team building, Daniel. And I think that he sees this team needing a third line center. Uh, it's not like there maybe Ryan McLeod, but he might be a little ways away. They don't have a, a, a plug and play third line center down on the farm. And so I still think that this organization is is putting together the pieces looking long-term as opposed to short-term. Fans can, you know, they have the luxury of being outraged by the effort yesterday afternoon, Sunday afternoon. But from a Holland point of view, when you do make a move, it has to be for now and for the future. And I, I still think that third-line center is going to be the area where that we see addressed first, whenever that is. It might not even be until the deadline or who knows, maybe even into the summer. What do you think about that third line center issue? Do you do you think it's still big or, or are they covering up better? Well, for, for the immediacy, there's no question that it's a big, big hole. I mean, Riley Shahan, uh, you know, at the start of the year, Dave Tippett was calling that Shahan, uh, Kara and Archibald line as the the fourth line, but really it's a third line because they don't have a they don't have another center. So um, you know Colby Cave's been tried. Now he's obviously down at Bakersfield. They just called Gaten House up, um, but I think there's a lot of, of growing pains that they're they're going to have to um, kind of deal with 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 him uh, as a as a player coming over to North America for the first time. Uh, and then you obviously you look to the farm and, and you mentioned Ryan McLeod. I, I think I talked about Cooper Marody last week. And, and then uh, the only other guy is, is, is Cave, who's already down there. And I think we know, uh, you know, Colby Cave's not a prospect. And you, we kind of know what he is as an NHL player. You know, all right defensively, can kill some penalties, but provides no offense at all. Um, so there's no question that that's the biggest hole on this team uh, right now. But again, I, I I think it's a question of, of when you want to make that trade and what you want to give up to acquire an, uh, an asset, in this case, a third-line center. And I don't think at this point Holland has the, 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 you know, the stomach to, to want to do that or, or, or it see, sees it as a, you know, a pressing need uh, for the immediacy because he's still in the growing phases of this team. Um, but obviously as we get into, you know, later in the year into, into next year, and as this team continues to grow, that's, you know, one of, if not the biggest, um, you know, sore spot for, for this club. Um, you're right in the, in the sense that this, this could, this could, you know, they're eight, three and one, uh, and it, it could get to eight, eight and one, like they could, they could lose five in a row. Um, it, it could very easily happen with, you know, some of the games that they played and, and, you know, the schedule toughening up and the fact that this team is, was not supposed to be, uh, you know, a contender anyway, uh, you look at all the things that have gone right. Uh, obviously the, the superstars up front pulling their weight, that was, you know, expected. And, and obviously you could never, uh, count on it until it happens, but they're, they're kind of doing their job, but special teams and goaltending, uh, we talked about bear, th- th- those things have, have all, uh, been at least up until yesterday, they've all been uh, well ahead of, of what most people thought they would be uh, at, at this point of the year or, or at, at any at any point in the year. So um, this isn't a, a you know contending team. And again, I think if 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 it was, Colin would be a little bit more uh, pressed uh, or, or interested in making a move quicker. Um, but right now, I, I did have a chance to talk to him um, late last week and. Um, 
mostly for some other things that I'm working on. So it was just a quick talk about the team, but he's still expressing his, uh, you know, putting, throwing his belief behind the, the, the bottom two lines. He, he says that's, that's one area that hasn't lived up to uh, what he had hoped uh, in the off season, but believes that as Dave Tippett mentioned uh, yesterday, um, that if maybe one guy gets going, uh, that might kind of open the well, so to speak. Um, but there's no question that, 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 the bottom six uh, does not score much. And now, you know, last little while, they've, they struggle to defend well, too. So that is a huge problem. Um, but one I don't think uh, will be addressed, you know, in a, in a meaningful way in terms of a trade. There could be some roster movements, as we've talked about, um, shuffling guys to and from Bakersfield. Uh, but in terms of, of, of spending, a, a, you know, an important asset or something notable to bring in um, a player, I don't, I really don't see that happening. I agree. I think, I think they may make a move when Adam Larson arrives. They may feel like that's the opportunity there. They're, they're on the road. Now, this is the Oil Can Podcast. They're on the road to Detroit and then Columbus on Wednesday. By the way, Front and Nationwide is the athletic uh, podcast for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Aaron Hortzline, a brilliant writer, and Allison Lucan of The Athletic break down the latest news surrounding the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are a fascinating team this year. I can't wait for the Oilers. That damn... Uh, do, do, does does that does that cannon bother you at all, Daniel? Do you, like, scares the... Ha- I'm old. I'm, I'm like five weeks from a heart attack, and that damn thing scares the hell out of me. You know what? I haven't been to Columbus, so on TV it doesn't seem so bad. But I hear in person it's an absolute uh, nightmare. Um, and when the All Star Game was there a few years back, I think uh, players and fans were kind of sick of it, you know, because there are actually more goals being scored in those games. But um, if I ever get there, we'll have that. We'll, we, you know, we'll have this conversation again, and I'm sure my answer will be will be quite <laughs> a bit different. But but on TV, it, it, it is muted a little bit. The uh... The other guy that I'm I'm really looking forward to is I hope William Lagason plays. I'm sincere in that. But they recalled Gaetan Haas on the weekend. I was surprised, to be honest with you. I, I really did think that they would uh, go a different direction. I thought they were looking for a winger. Haas ends up getting the recall. I My understanding was that, that he was going to go down there for a few games, say six or so, get a feel for it and come back up. It was only two games for Haas uh, down in the minors. And so I... I guess the tea leaves I'm reading now tells me that he's going to get back in there. They're going to have a look and, and we may see this relationship either flourish or end uh, sometime in early November. I, I, I honestly, I'm a little suspicious that he solved whatever issues the coach felt he had uh, NHL wise in his two games in the AHL. But with him back here, do you think we'll see, I think we should see him on the road trip. What do you think? Well, it's funny, it, it kind of seems, and this is a completely different uh, ball of wax here, but it, it's kind of like what happened with Jesse Pugliarvi last year where, uh, you know, he's sent down for three or four games. Uh, and uh, obviously a new coach coming in and Ken Hitchcock wanted to work with them and up he came and all all's well again. But uh, obviously that, that wasn't the case. He, he, it's tough to to work on, as you, you allude to, it's, it's tough to kind of fix your game or completely change things or, or learn something new in, in two to three, four games. Um, so I think with with Haas, you make a, a good point that it's it's 
it's time to kind of see what what he has and if it doesn't work out i i think he might be back in, in switzerland um you know by december or, or early in the, in the new year because he does uh, have that that clause or he, he doesn't want to stay in bakersfield for any meaningful length of time um i think the recall is a case of you know you know there probably are more uh, qualified guys, uh, Yamamoto comes to mind. Uh, obviously, uh, you know I've I've talked about Marodi, and, and then there's McLeod and Benson, those types of guys. But I, I uh, and, and I mean there are some 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 veteran guys uh, last year. You know Gambardella comes to mind, and uh, Malone, like those those types of guys. But I think they they want to kind of get somebody up here who um, uh, they can spot into the lineup and and who has been here. Um, considering it, it probably won't be, um, you know, with, when they're they're trying to get Archibald back in a in a little while and 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 Nygaard as well. Uh, I don't think you know it's, it would be a a, a long term thing. Like I think if they bring up Yamamoto or, or Benson or one of those guys, they want it to be a case where that player will be here permanently or as close to permanently as possible. So um Koss is is the obviously they need um another look at center and I think he will get some time. But Haas is not, you know, a long term um, you know, stud prospect. He he's a you know a veteran guy um that, that can be kind of placed into the lineup and that makes more sense with that type of recall in my opinion. Um so I think with the way the team looked uh, on Sunday and the, you know, they have some, uh, you know, back to back and, and all that, I, I think Haas will get an opportunity and, uh, we'll see if he, uh, how much he's learned in Bakersfield and, and what, what he can bring. Um, because yeah, as you said, I think it's a, these next few weeks are going to, are going to kind of make or break his, his spot in the organization. I was, um, early on a little concerned about Mike Smith in goal. I felt like Koskinen would play uh, fairly well if he got rest, and and that has been the case. I think Smith, you know, except for those two uh, uh, cannons past Ethan Bear's ear against Los Angeles, he played pretty darn well last night. I, I'm going to count as an anomaly. I, I'm I'm sincere in saying that I think he was genuinely hurt, and and uh, although he went back in in the second period, I was surprised to see him in the second period. And these things happen. I don't I don't. I honestly don't think it's a, a a major. I know fans are upset, but I think that was a game that that got away from them partly because of the injury, partly because they were so loose, and that that's happened before. But they haven't given up three that quickly. But if this team, um, it, for any length of time, has issues in goal or a goaltending injury, the reason I, I think of this, Daniel, the reason I want to your opinion on it is I was thinking between periods like what if Smith's hurt and what if they can't go on the road with him because the Shane Sterrett who, who I think they like quite a lot uh, last I checked was still hurt uh Dylan Wells played pretty well Stuart Skinner who's been playing most of the time uh down there is struggling I just wonder if this if this organization if Smith or or Koskinen at the NHL level were injured do you think they would reach out on the waiver wire make a small trade or is there somebody down in that bakersfield farm uh and understanding steroid is hurt that you feel like could be the backup goaltender for any length of time here in edmonton no uh and i think but i think i think this is a problem that a lot of teams have like say carry price gets hurt in montreal they're they're kind of hooped or you know um there's i mean there's just not a, a lot of, of of teams that have 
you know, high quality goaltending depth at the pro level. Um, at least Edmonton does does have two guys, and again, you you don't want to run. Uh, I don't think uh, Smith or Koskinen are, are guys that you want to run long. You know, f- you know, without uh, being spelled uh, for long terms, and that's why they've you know they've played no more than two games uh, in a row. Um, so there's a perfect kind of scenario for them to be successful if they're going to be successful long term this year. So, uh, yeah, if one of them went down, uh, obviously we're talking about Smith here from yesterday. That would be a pretty big uh, issue for the Oilers. Um, so you, they, they they probably, you know, with the amount of injuries they have right now and, and the cap situation, they might have to just run with, with Koskinen or, or the, the healthy goalie for, for a period, which we, we know what 30 straight games of, of uh, Koskinen uh, is like, and it's not really fair to, to really any goalie to do that. So um, they might have to look, on the waiver wire and find somebody cheap but i think that's the case for a lot of teams really um when uh, you know a goalie comes goes down it, it really kind of you know torpedoes their season uh you look at like what philadelphia went through last year and, and nobody i don't think is suggesting that you know a team will have to or the oilers in this case will have to go through eight goalies but um you know there's there's some serious depth issues i think around the league in general and, and the oilers are no different and i mean we, what do you think about the the opportunity? You know the possibility of you. You know you talked about uh, Koskinen um, being better with rest. What have you seen in that regard? And what what do you think he could do if if he had to be thrown in to the uh, to play a lot of games in a row? Well, I think I was surprised he didn't play yesterday. I think that was the rotation, and I know they had to set up the road trip. But I I, I think Koskinen to me he's been the more effective of the, of the two goaltenders so far. Um, but I, I, I'm interested because I, when interviews have occurred, uh, from, from Holland or from coach Tippett, he's, he's mentioned Dustin Schwartz, the, uh, goaltending coach. And they're, they're, they're definitely trying to get, uh, this rotation going, which, which, you know, let's be honest here. It has worked like a charm. Uh, anybody who's unhappy an Orlando fan right now with their goaltending rotation, uh, to me is, is, you know, not looking at the longer view, but I'm. I'm interested because the they seem to be very interested in rest and and making sure that these guys are ready to go and it's worked so far and it's key like the power play is key we're going to talk about James Neal in a second that's key but this goaltending tandem uh I'll I'll be honest with you I think the first game that that the goaltending could be um, and, and not even blame. That's the, not the right word. But where you sit and you go, the three major reasons this was a loss. I think that that three minute or whatever span it was, where the three goals went in, obviously is a major major event. Now there was an injury that occurred because of it, so we can we can uh, you know kind of check off that box. Here's why unlikely to happen again. But that's the fr- like we're we're twelve games in, and the goaltending has been. Not even a problem, but one game where you can kind of point to. So, I, I'm I'm interested in this rotation continuing because I did believe that that uh, Koskinen was playing pretty well a year ago, and then they they basically just started playing him all the time, and he really tired. It was obvious that that you know the the KHL schedule doesn't compare to the NHL schedule, all the travel, and it really did impact him. So, from that point of view, I, I think the Edmonton Oilers are doing it right. I was just a little bit surprised at the the rotation yesterday, and I agree totally with you. You made a great point about no team really has a guy on the farm who can be a, like, come in and play 
uh, even as a co-number one. I, I, I don't think anyway. Let me ask you, though, final thing here is time is slipping away on us, Daniel. Um, the, the trade that was made in the summertime was Milan Lucic and a conditional round third, a third round pick to uh, Calgary for James Neal. Neal scored his 10th goal last night. And Lucic is, is, you know, he's struggling to score goals in, in Calgary. So my question for you, sir, to wrap up the show is, uh, if you had to bet now, you and I are in Vegas, and you had to bet 100 bucks on that pick already being, you know, put in an envelope and sent down to Calgary, what are the odds that Milan Lucic can score enough to keep that pick in Edmonton? I think that pick is as good as gone, and we're, we're, you know I wouldn't have predicted that. Well, like having that ability to say that twelve games into the year, I, I thought it would be uh, a goner because I did, you know, with Jonathan Willis and I did our our preseason or uh, predictions, and I had Neil down for twenty one goals, and I certainly didn't see Lucic getting to ten. So uh, I thought that third round pick would be would be sent Calgary's way eventually, but I think now like Holland uh, Ken Holland has to start you know believing that. Or, or, or taking that out of his his coffer in terms of how he's going to uh, you know to proceed with with possible trades, you just have to pretend it's not there. They don't have the third round pick; it's gone. So that that I mean that that takes uh, you know one you know reasonable asset away from um, what you can offer in trades. I mean, it was a, a third round pick to get a veteran defenseman in in Alex Petrovic, uh, who at the, you know, at the time I, I thought it was a reasonable gamble. Uh, it turned out obviously not to be, uh, you know, this the right move considering, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier, uh, kind of bringing in too many defensemen when guys were going to be healthy uh, soon enough and then having basically no room for him uh, throughout the last, you know, 25 games of the year. So it was kind of wasted in that regard. Um, but yeah, I think that that third round pick is essentially gone. And, and I think, you know, <laughs> you have to be happy to pay it because they're 8-3-1. They're James Neal, as you mentioned, has 10 goals. He's leading the team in goals uh, with, you know, a 50-goal score in Drysaddle, obviously one behind him with nine, uh, McDavid uh, at six. But f- for him to be ahead of the of the two superstars is, is quite quite something. I mean, he's had a couple of kind of fluky tips in there, a lot of success on the power play, incredibly high shooting percentage. So we don't, at least I, I don't expect him to, to kind of continue on at this pace, uh, but but for him to play such a huge role in the team uh, in, in scoring uh, capacity so far um, is is great news. I'd say a pleasant surprise, um, and that that takes away a you know a, a reasonable asset. But I think one again that they're they're happy to to pay. Final question for you. This is a little trivia. I, I, Halloween night coming up. I'm going as Buzz Lightyear as I do every year. But do you have a was there was there a Halloween costume from your childhood that you remember? Very well, loving it when you went out trick or treating. I was a big Ninja Turtles guy as a, as a kid, so uh-huh. I know my brother and I we used to we used to uh, go out as, as Ninja Turtles every once in a while because I think we uh, we did the uh, get the costume big and and, and let it grow in uh, for for a year or two. <laughs> so I think we we uh, we had uh, multiple years of, of of doing that. So um, I remember once I dressed up as a hockey player too, but. Uh, yeah, it must have been some kind of uh, um, scare or, or, or some kind of fantasy because I, I never really amounted to much as a, as a hockey player. So uh, that's why I'm doing this job, right? So um, anyway, what, uh, yeah, those are those are Ninja Turtle. I was a either a Raphael or a Michelangelo guy. Um, I like the the humor 
of uh, Raphael, but I did like the, uh, I don't know what the, well, uh, Michelangelo had the had the nunchucks, uh, and Raphael had the, the little swords, so those were both, uh, those were both <laughs> seemingly good weapons, so um, either one of those two were, were, were kind of up there for me. All right, so they're on the road trip, we're back on Thursday. Daniel, uh, thanks for, for dropping by, appreciate all your information. This has been the Oil Can Podcast. Mm-hmm.